Did you know that Florida has the longest coastline of any state in the lower 48? We have 825 miles of accessible beaches, many of which can be enjoyed year-round. Welcome to the Lore of the South. Lore of the South. Welcome back to Lore of the South, episode 12. We're back in Florida for this episode, and you may be able to tell by my voice, we are under a blanket of thick, thick pollen. I'm feeling it, guys. But for this episode, we are headed to the East Coast, St. Augustine, oldest continuously settled European city in North America, and probably my favorite city in the whole state. It's gorgeous, and the people are all super friendly and it's kind of heaven for a history nerd like me. Mike and I stayed two nights at the St. Francis Inn, one of the oldest houses still standing in St. Augustine, and its oldest inn. We booked the hauntings package and stayed in one of the haunted guest suites in the original part of the old house. We loved our stay. The package included two books about the hauntings of the oldest city, two t-shirts from the inn, and a ghost tour for two. Also included in the stay was a super yummy breakfast that we enjoyed eating in the gorgeous cobblestone courtyard. A happy hour that included local wine and Florida brewed beer. And every night, there's a dessert waiting in package just for you. And that in is our topic for today's podcast. Sit back and enjoy the history and hauntings of the St. Francis Inn. The Garcia Dumay House, aka the St. Francis Inn. Normally, I give you the history of the location before I tell you about its hauntings. This time, I'm going to switch it up a bit and tell the ghost story first. After coming home from our stay at the St. Francis Inn and hearing a couple of different versions of her most famous ghost story, I decided to do a bit of research on my own. I used my Ancestry.com account to look at the census records for the past residents of the inn. Here is the story of William and Lily. In the mid-1800s, the St. Francis Inn was owned by General William Hardy. One of the occupants of the old inn was a young man by the name of William. Some say he was the nephew of General Hardy, and he fell in love with a beautiful slave girl from Barbados by the name of Lily. The two would constantly meet in the attic rooms of the third floor to be alone and do the things that young lovers do. The star-crossed pair planned to run away together. Before that could happen, their affair was discovered by the general, and their secret tryst was stamped out. Lily was cast from the house, and William, in a fatal depression, either hung himself in the third story or threw himself from one of its windows. In another version altogether, this one coming from the shop owners of the Odd Macabre in St. Augustine, Florida, they claim that during a paranormal investigation of the inn, they were able to make contact with Lily. Lily told them that she and her lover had made plans to smuggle her north, but before this could happen, William was killed in a Civil War battle and was buried in North Carolina. Lily then went on to say that she lived well into her 50s. Either way, neither story tells of Lily's death, but it's her ghost that people claim to have interactions with. One guest staying in the room named for Lily was awoken by a loud bang and found her purse had been thrown to the floor and its contents scattered. Nothing was missing. Another female guest in the same room found her makeup bag had been filled with water. Another guest had the opposite experience. 
Her bag was found under an open window during a heavy Florida downpour. Everything around it was soaked, but her bag remained dry. Other guests and staff tell of TVs being turned off if one of the resident spirits do not approve of the programming. Coffee pots turning off and on, and the folks from the Odd Macabre shared that while they were there, they had one of the electric fireplaces light up after complaining about how cold the room was that they were investigating. The next morning, they even verified with the inn staff that the fireplace did not operate on a thermostat and had to be manually turned on. Pretty interesting stuff. Now that you know a little bit about the ghost of St. Francis Inn, let's explore her history. Gaspar Garcia, a military man from Cuba, was granted the lot by the King of Spain in 1791 during the second Spanish colonial period, which came after the American Revolution when the newly formed U.S. handed the colony of Florida back over to the Spanish for them to govern. Garcia had his home constructed from the local building material known as Coquina, which was quarried just off the shore from where the lighthouse stands today. This material once hardened is virtually indestructible, and you can see its use all over the city of St. Augustine, most famously in the Castillo de San Marcos. So like the old fort, the house was practically a fortress unto itself. Garcia did not maintain ownership of the property for long, and the home changed hands approximately five times over the next 40 years. In 1821, Florida became a territory of the U.S., and it was in 1836 that Thomas Henry Dumay purchased the home. This is where my research veered off path. I fell way down a rabbit hole with this guy and his family, so please bear with me in my rambling story here while I tell you about Dumay and his family. Thomas Dumay was born October 14, 1775, in St. Michael's Parish on the island of Barbados. He was the son of wealthy plantation owners and retired from the Royal Marines with the rank of Colonel. He married Mary Mortimer in 1803 in Barbados. He was 28 and she was 16. The pair would have six children while still living on the island, 11 in total, though only six survived to adulthood. In 1816, the family fled the island during the Bessa Slave Revolt. This was according to their oldest son. And side note, he was also a super interesting Florida man. He was one of the men responsible for the huge citrus production in Central Florida of Indian River fame. Okay, now, back to the rest of his family. Another source says the family left Barbados because it was becoming apparent that England would soon outlaw slavery in its Caribbean colonies. The family then lived in New Haven, Connecticut for a few years. It was while living in Connecticut that a Spanish friend who the Dumais had known in the islands came for a visit. He convinced Thomas to go south and visit the underpopulated territory of Florida. Thomas did and was immediately taken with it because it reminded him so much of his home back in Barbados. He purchased two plantations along the Tamaka River near New Smyrna. They totaled about 3,000 acres altogether. The two plantations came with about 157 slaves, who grew and managed Dumay's new sugar plantation. They built a sugar mill and a distillery on the property. These two industries required the labor of approximately 100 slaves and 40 Native Americans. Their plantation home was described by their daughter Anna in a memoir. It was a large log cabin 
with a palmetto thatched roof shaded by live oak trees draped with Spanish moss and a yard of Bermuda grass and had a large fireplace with polished brass and irons and was elegantly furnished with a sideboard holding heavy silverware, a brass-bound mahogany wine cooler, claw-footed tables, and family portraits hanging on the walls. The Dumay family was doing very well for itself. Between the sale of the sugar, syrup, and rum that the plantation produced, they had a lively trade going between them and the native population. Famously amongst them was Chief Billy Bowlegs. It was from him that Thomas might have been forewarned about the upcoming native uprising. Late December, 1835, Thomas buried the family silver in the yard, rounded up his wife, five children, and house slaves. They all crowded into three canoes and escaped on the Tamaka River. The family took refuge in St. Augustine. The Florida Herald reported on January 6, 1836, that the Seminoles had ransacked the house and tried to burn it down but a loyal slave had been able to put the fire out before the house could burn. Though the home's contents were thoroughly destroyed, the mattresses were shredded, leather torn from the furniture, and the family portraits had all been taken from the walls and their eyes had been shot out. The Seminoles returned later to finish the job, and this time managed to destroy the entire property, but never found the silver that was buried in the yard. The family told a story about a friend who reportedly risked his life selling up the Tamaco River in a small schooner to retrieve the family's hidden silver. He successfully dug it up and nearly escaped with it. His sails had been shot full of holes by the warring natives. The Demays would have found St. Augustine crowded with refugees, fleeing the Seminole Uprising, and governed by martial law. The family lived in shared rooms until Thomas purchased the old Garcia house in 1836. The colonel died August 31, 1839, and that's when the family converted the private home into a boarding house. It was about this time that Elizabeth, one of Dumay's girls, marries William Hardy, who in a short time would be General Hardy of the CSA. They signed the house over to him because you know back then it was better than a man owns your property. The pair had three children together, one being named William Jr., so not a nephew, but a son or grandson of the house, depending on which generation you're looking at. And that brings us back to the ghost story of the slave girl Lily and her young man named William. William was born in 1847 and did live in the Garcia Dumay house. He also died in battle at the age of 17 in Bentonville, North Carolina just like the owners of the odd and macabre had said. Now for Lily. I think I might have found her too. Might have. After searching and searching, I found the 1860 slave schedule. Though it contains no names, it did list an enslaved female who was owned by the family and was nearly the same age as young William. Could this be Lily? We'll probably never know. But does this give the story some credit? I'd like to think so. I hope y'all found the history of the St. Francis Inn as interesting as I did. This may be some of the most in-depth research I have done for this podcast. 
I poured through a hundred years of census records. I squinted my way through several decades of slave schedules. But I think it was worth it. Time for my side notes. I think I only mentioned Anna once by name, but she was the oldest Dumay daughter. She was the family caretaker and history keeper. She never married, but she raised six of her nieces and nephews after their mothers all died while the children were still very young. She was a pillar of St. Augustine, and though we have a different opinion about the Old South today, she was the picture of a strong Southern woman from a bygone era. You can also still see the remains of the Old Dumay Sugar Plantation. They are located in Tamunca State Park in Volusia County. I'll be sure to include photos from both places, both the end and from the park. So be sure to find us on social media. I'll include links to the St. Francis Inn, just in case any of y'all might be interested in staying there someday. Mike and I really enjoyed our stay there. It's a great atmosphere and you can walk everywhere. Also, there will be a link to the Odd Macabre. Check them out if you will. They offer oldest city scavenger hunts, some are even ghost story themed. And they offer paranormal tours and have a really cool candle making studio in their shop. We're still looking for those reviews. I've got magnets and keychains to give away. Screen grab your five star and written review and email it to me along with your address to laurathesouth at gmail.com. And I'll mail you your choice of either a keychain or a fridge magnet. And with that, I'll talk to y'all later on Laura the South.